0: We've been talking the last few weeks on discovering your destiny, and how do we do that? We we learned so far, or thus far, that uh, the that God has a plan. That there are uh, a lot of decisions to be made between now and living out your destiny. But every decision that we make is so important because it takes us towards what either God wants us to live out in our life. Or it takes us away from that. And uh, we learned uh, the last couple of weeks, we learned about some of the major questions that we're going to be facing uh, in what we call the mistake zone. We said that right now we're in the stage of life that is known as or what we're calling the mistake zone. And we said in the mistake zone, there's a lot of decisions that can be made that can take you outside of what God wants for your life. And we talked about how the fact of the matter is that many of us right now are not prepared to make a lot of the major decisions yet, and uh, and we said some of those. We said, listen, we're 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 pretty good at not being kids. If I were to ask you uh, to do your times tables, you know, one through five, you could probably do it. You know, five times five, five times six, five times seven. Yeah. The, the basic elementary stuff, we know, we've know we mastered. Everybody in here, nobody's probably struggling with 2 plus 2, right? But yet, we're still not really fully adults. We said that as teenagers in our teenage years, we're, we're really not adults yet in the sense that there are adult decisions that we've really not come to yet. Like, for instance, what is a good percentage on a mortgage? What's a good interest rate? Most of us probably don't even know uh, that because you're really not in a stage of life where you're buying that. You don't even know uh, what's a good price perhaps or a good interest on uh, getting a car uh, and how much are you gonna pay in interest per car? What is insurance cost when you buy a car if you're gonna cover uh, your insurance cost? Uh, really, what does a phone bill cost? If you want, what kind of plan? Most of us aren't there yet. You're probably not paying for your own phone. You might have a phone but you're probably not in charge of paying the bill on that phone. And and the problem with this is that in our teenage years, we know just enough to make us dangerous. We know just enough to say, well, I know more than you, mom and dad, but the reality is we don't. But because we've mastered so many things already, and listen, uh, getting out of Uh, elementary and middle school, is not easy by any stretch. It's just, it takes time and it takes a whole year to learn what you're supposed to learn in each grade. And then by the time you finish that, uh, you feel a little bit more accomplished and you feel like, okay, I've learned some things new. We've we've learned some new math, some new science, some new history. and, And we begin to think, I know enough to get by in this world. But the problem is we don't. And in the mistake zone, if you have a mentality that says, I already know it all, mom and dad, you're not with the times, you just don't understand me, mom and dad, you never, know, you never knew what it was in your teenage years to have an iPhone and to have Google, just with that it already makes me smarter than you guys. And, and we kind of get caught in that kind of mentality, and if you go through the mistake through the teenage years that you have right now, with that kind of mentality, let me just tell you something you're going to make a mistake along the way. And how bad that mistake is, it could be something that really destroys the plan that God has for you. It can be something that brings about consequences for the rest of your life. And so it's so important as we're going through these years in life to say, God, first of all, these decisions that I know I'm going to have to make, I need your help with them. We talked about that in the last three weeks, how much we need to depend on God while going through the mistake zone. Let me just say that the mistake zone, the years between, and we define that the years between the age of 13 and age 27, I'm not saying that you can't make a mistake after the age of 27, but most of the mistakes that people make in life, most of the bad decisions are made between the ages of 13 and 27. And most of the consequences that you live out when you're 35 and 45 and 55 come about because of decisions that you made when you were 25 and 20. Uh, So many times, and I've talked about this before uh, in the lessons previous, I've I've told you and I've shared with you, listen, I'm so thankful uh, that uh, God placed me where he placed me, but I'm so thankful that I made some of the decisions that I made, for instance, very thankful that i made a decision to say you know what i'm going to go to christian college for my college education i had to pay for it Uh, my parents didn't have the money to really pay for my education in college and so i uh, i sat out one year after graduating to save money the college i went to was about twelve thousand dollars a year that i had to pay in cash you couldn't uh, i didn't have student loans because they didn't uh, they're not an accredited college so i really couldn't apply for student loans at a good interest rate And uh, so I worked about 60 to 70 hours a week when I was in college while taking a full load of 18 hours a week and paid for my college to be there. But as a result of that decision, I met this girl from San Diego. She was awesome, beautiful. She was fun to, to be around. And after four years, I asked if she would marry me, and she said yes. And now with her, I've been living for the last 11 years, 11 years of marriage, been awesome. We've got two kids, all because back when I was 18, I made a decision of where I was going to go to college. What I'm saying is the decisions you make at 18 are going to affect you by the time you're 35 like me. And If you make a wrong decision while you're 18, you can be 35 going, I wish I never would have done that. What a terrible, terrible decision. Those decisions are all done and made in the mistake zone. Knowing all of that, we come to this next lesson that we're going to call My Place in the Cosmic Cookie Mix. All right? Now, this lesson is really important because it's going to make you think on a macro level. Now, if you don't know that term, it's kind of new even for me. Macro micro is small, tiny, right? M-I-C-R-O, micro. Macro, M-A-C-R-O, macro means big. We're going to look at the big picture tonight, the big picture that God wants us to see and that we need to see clearly if we're going to discover the destiny that God has for us. Now, the first thing we're going to talk about is the way it didn't happen. The way it didn't happen. Now, if you've gone uh, to public school, you'll know at some point, this was given to you. At some point, whether it was in elementary, whether it was in middle school, or whether it's now going through high school, you'll find the way it didn't happen. You'll find that uh, a teacher would be beginning to uh, talk to you about the origin of life. And they probably gave you some story uh, about it that sounded really scientific. You go in your science class, or in even biology, or any other history class, and they make it sound so scientific, they they say that uh, before anything was around, there was just gas and space. Where the gas came from, they don't know. Where space was at, they don't really know, but they just kind of... Don't address that for the moment. They just say there's gas in space. And after a while, and I'm talking about billions and billions of years as gas in space, after just kind of hanging out with each other, finally collided. And in that collision of these gases in space, suddenly an explosion happened. They call it the Big Bang. And out of this Big Bang came all sorts of gigantic stuff. And they'll tell you and me that the planets that we see Came from that bang. And the stars that we see came from that bang. And the meteors that we see all came from that big bang that happened. And in that big cosmic bang, there was this little blue planet that came out of it. And this little planet, in in fact, uh, they they don't really know exactly where the water came from, but they just said, there's this planet that had this water, and it was there. And there in that water, after millions and millions of years, after this explosion, that water just kind of stayed there. And after a lot of time, and who knows how many uh, millions of years, finally, out of this water, spontaneously, water and oxygen came to be. And it was probably the gases that were there in the beginning with the space, with the water, with the planets, and everything began to create this thing called oxygen and water. Then after millions of years of water just kind of being there and oxygen just kind of floating around, out of just all of that floating around and hanging with each other, suddenly a single cell organism came out. And this single cell organism was just dumb. It was like a bowling ball, right? It didn't have a whole lot of brains. It was just this single cell thing that was there. And uh, after millions and billions of years of this little single cell just kind of hanging out, it began to, to just say, you know what, I need, a, I need to make more of myself. And so it started to reproduce more single cell organisms. And after many years, suddenly there was lots of single cell organisms organisms. Where they came from? Well, from the oxygen and the water and the combination of the space and everything coming together in this big, you know, just galactic soup. And then after that, after a a, a while, uh, then these uh, single-cell organisms began to uh, evolve into microorganisms. And suddenly, biology came to life and suddenly all these microorganisms came that were a little bit more complex they weren't just single cell organisms they began to make themselves to be uh, a little bit more complex as microorganisms and of course for millions of years they started floating around and after a while one of these microorganisms said listen i'm tired of floating around and i don't know about all this oxygen and air and 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 all of these gases and all these single cell uh organisms i'm tired of hanging out with them I'm going to get out and I'm just going to start kind of evolving. And so they get out and, and, uh, and this little organism just kind of gets out from where it was and decides, you know what, I need some fins. If I'm going to be in this water and I want to walk around and run around, I need some fins and, and I need a tail. And suddenly it started doing that. And then after doing that, because evolving obviously became the end thing, everybody else started following suit. And everybody else said, I don't want to be a single cell organism either. I'm going to follow that uh, guy over there. And I'm going to try to get my own little tail and my own little spout. And, and after that, you know, the motto came to be in that little society, let's just mutate. How about you? You want to mutate? Yeah, let's just mutate. We're not really smart. We're just single cell. Let's mutate to something better. And so they begin to mutate. And through this process, one of the days, they come to a beach. And this little, uh, this little organism that had already begun to mutate and change and have tails suddenly jumps on the beach, and now it's a frog. It's like kind of like a frog. It's kind of uh, partly a frog, and, and it starts to figure out, man, I've been living in water. Suddenly, I need to have some lungs to breathe air because this oxygen's going to kill me. So being on the beach, he begins to uh, feel like I need to have lungs, and, and, and somehow with the power of its little brain thinking, it says, I need to create lungs, and it creates lungs. And suddenly it becomes a uh, uh, breathing, it starts breathing, but it's not happy just to be there on the beach breathing and it says, you know what, I need to change again. And it begins to mutate again and mutate until finally monkeys come into the picture. And monkeys ruined everything because monkeys didn't want to just be dumb animals with just a small little brain cell. They decided, you know what, I don't like walking on four legs, let's go to two. So after thousands of years of practicing going from four legs to two, these monkeys began to walk on two legs, and after some more time, they began to realize, we need to think more. We're not thinking enough. So they began to develop these brain cells to start thinking a whole, little, a whole lot better. And after thinking, after thousands of years, these monkeys began to write books, build skyscrapers, build computers, and now we're in a society full of just evolved monkeys. Now, I can tell by the faces, y'all say, that's ridiculous. And I said, I'm with you. It is ridiculous. It's insane. To believe that makes no sense to me. There is no way any of that makes logical sense. There's no way that any of that, it goes against everything we know. In fact, it goes against science itself. And yet many of our schools teach that as fact. They don't even call it the theory of evolution. They say it's the origin of life. They they want to even change the name because, oh, if it's a theory, then well, that's just what you think. No, 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 it's not a theory, it's the origin of life. And they try to make us, you and me, try to accept that belief. And anyone even half a brain cell working, we know that, <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. It's unscientific. It cannot happen. It is impossible. It's impossible. Now knowing that, knowing that it's impossible, we begin to realize that that what they've been feeding people and feeding us even in our schools sometimes is nothing but a lie. Can I say evolution is nothing more than another religion? That's what evolution is. It is a religion. It is a belief system that you have to believe. You can't prove it in any way. There's no really evidence to back it up, but it's just something that you're supposed to believe because that's what they feel like is the origin of life. Now, I want to give you some things there in your notes that is important to think about. Number one, evolution is without valid evidence. There's not one shred of valid evidence that proves anything of evolution. Now, by the way, they choose a very general term to evolve. Evolve just means to change. Now, how many of us understand today that from the time that we were born to now, in 13 years or 14 years or 15, however old you, you are, whatever your age, you've changed. Right? I mean, the size of your clothes has changed, the size of your body has changed, what you can do, your, the, the, the the capacity that your mind has has all changed. Now, you could technically say you've evolved because the word just means changed. Now they, They grab on words like that and say evolution, changing, evolving, but that doesn't mean that you've changed from a cow. Now, you're not a baby anymore, but you're still human. There's no evidence whatsoever that we've been able to change species, that a frog can become a snake at any point. That's why it's known as the missing link. You heard that term, I'm sure. Many evolutionary scientists want to say, well, we're, we're looking for that missing link, but there's, there's evidence that there is a missing link. <laughs> they can't provide any evidence for it, but they have to have that to try to even start to give a defense for their theory. But they can't. There's not one shred of evidence. The universe shows careful, deliberate, intelligent Design: no evidence shows animals crossing species and producing fertile offspring, none. Listen, you can get a, a, a thousand you can get a million fish, and there's more than a million fish in our ocean. You can get a million fish, take them out of the ocean and put them on the beach. And let me tell you, not one of them will survive. Not one of them will be saying, "Oh, you know what? I'm just going to grow some lungs now. I need lungs. Let me tell you, all million of them would die like that. It's just a matter of time before they can't breathe because they need to be in the water and they'll die. They can't evolve. They can't change that way. They don't have the power to do that. I'm simply saying uh, this evening that evolution has no shred of evidence for it. The universe, you can tell, it has a design. You know, the scientists even tell us today, if our earth was a little bit further from the sun, we'd freeze to death. And if it was just a little bit closer to the sun, we'd burn to death. In other words, the earth is in perfect proximity from the sun so that life can happen. I mean, everything works so perfectly, it points to a designer. Uh, If I were to uh, tell you that this book right here uh, was a watch 100 days ago, you'd be like, no, it wasn't. And if I told you, no, but you don't understand, I put the watch in a microwave, and I put two minutes on it. And then after two minutes, I took it out and then I put it again for four minutes. And then I took it out and I put it again for ten minutes. And after the third time in ten minutes, this book came out. It was crazy. You'd look at me and say, you're insane. You're crazy. There's no way that the evidence doesn't back that up. That just doesn't work that way. Right? So when you think about this theory of evolution... Notice that there's no design to it. Uh, uh, the, 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 the theory of evolution kind of says, well, everything's kind of an accident. Another thing, evolution is not observable. By the way, science is something that is observed. All science, true science, is observable. It's observable. You've got to be able to see it. History, science, and archaeology all support the biblical account of creation. I love it that they can't tell you where the gas started and the space came from, but the Bible can. You know, the Bible doesn't avoid questions like that. Evolution does. Evolution says, well, we don't know exactly how it happened, but here's what we can best gather from what we can see. And then they'll try to avoid something like, well, water. Well, water, water was, was, was there and the, it, it formed, but water was there. But where did the water come from? Well, they can't tell you that, but yet the Bible does. When you ask the Bible, where did water come from? The Bible says, in the beginning, God created. Where did space come from? The Bible answers that, in the beginning, God created. Where did the gases come from? The Bible answers that, in the beginning, God created. What we see in our universe didn't just come from some big bang. It came from the mouth of God. God created it. Now, you say, why is this important? And and let me give you a couple more things real quick there in your notes. Evolution is a religion of blind faith. Creation is a religion of intelligent faith. All we're simply saying is there's got to be a designer. If there's a design, somebody designed it. The car that we drive, somebody designed it. Um, the, The clothes that we wear, someone designed it. Anything like that has precision, anything that moves with a purpose, you know has a designer. You look at our universe and you look at the creation around us, you can tell there's a designer. There's there's purpose to it. Now you might ask, what? What does this matter? What does it matter? You might say, why? Why? Well, that's the second point there in your notes, the way it really happened and why it matters. You might, you might be wondering, um, Brother Jeremy, you, you've talked about evolution in other lessons. Why are we going over this? We, we know this. We get it. Yes, God created the heavens and the earth. God is the creator. We, we know that we believe that. Why is this so important? Let me tell you why it is important and what evolution does. Because we might think evolution is just a harmless theory. Sometimes we have this idea, well, I don't believe it, but if somebody wants to believe it, let them believe it. It's not a big deal, but it is a big deal. It is a big deal because of the effects that it has on us as people. The effects that it has on us as people. Now, first of all, there in your notes, let's get some things straight. Number one, God created everything. God created everything. The sun, moon, stars, our planets, our earth, Trees, animals, fishes, and us. Because God created everything, that means God has an eternal purpose for everything. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this, Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So here's why it's important. If God created everything, then God created you and me. And if God created you and me, that's because he has a purpose for it. Just like the artist that draws a paint or that paints a painting or that d- sketches some a drawing or that sculpts a sculpture of a statue. That designer has a purpose for what he's doing. He has a purpose for that statue. Usually we try to honor great inventors or we try to honor great players. In fact, um, you know, uh, after a, a, a big uh, person, a star has made a great impact, uh, they'll do this. Uh, I, I remember when Michael Jordan retired the first time in 1993 from basketball. In 1994, they, they made a big statue and they put it out of the, right outside the Chicago Bulls arena there of Michael Jordan. And the statue's there, and the person that made that statue made it with a purpose. It's, it's, it's going to represent uh, Michael Jordan. It's to honor what he did for basketball. He didn't just start hammering things and going, well, we'll see what comes out, man. Hopefully it looks like you. I, I don't know. No, they, they did it with a purpose. Now, if a sculptor can design a statue with a purpose, don't you think the person that created our universe created it with a purpose? So the fact that God created everything makes true that there's a purpose for everything and God knows that purpose. And in fact, the Bible says before he even created the world, he had your purpose and my purpose in his mind. Now that's crazy to think about. How could he have our purpose? He hasn't even created anything yet. But that's God. God thought about you before even creation before you even existed God knew who you were and who I was and he had a purpose he had a purpose for what he was going to do listen your belief about creation will determine your value system now this is important listen to me this is important because of this so what does it matter if someone wants to believe evolution what does it matter because what you believe will determine your value system. With the evolution theory, okay, it boils down to this. It was, an ex- it was an accident. Gases exploded. Boom. It was an accident. Life began. This organism did this. It was an accident. These monkeys began to evolve. It was an accident. That begins to develop a value system that All I am is an accident. If all I am is an accident, then I have no purpose for existing. I'm not against existing. I'm glad I'm on earth, but number one, there's no purpose for me to be here, so what I do doesn't matter because it's just a big accident anyway. Secondly, if there's no purpose and there's no creator, I have nothing to account for. I'm not accountable to anyone or anything. In other words, I get to decide what I want to do. The belief system becomes, I can be what I want to be. You can't tell me what is right or what is wrong. I can determine that. Because after all, this is one big accident as it is. Now what does that, what does that create in someone? Someone without purpose. Someone without hope. Someone without any boundaries. I can tell you what it can do. It can create in the mind of a person, maybe I'll take a gun to school today. Maybe I'll shoot 15 or 20 people. Who cares? We're all going to die someday. Life's not been going the way I thought it was going to be for me anyway. If at the end I die and it's over, let's go out in a blaze of glory. 1999, two young men did that in Columbine High School. Since then, it's happened more often and more frequently. What led a teenager to do that? Because he thought, what does it matter? It's all one big accident. Then you get into a society that says, you can't tell me what gender I am. We're all an accident. I choose what it is. You can't tell me what marriage is and who I can marry and who I can't marry. It's all an accident. I I will decide what that is. I will put value to what I think is right. Now you live in a society that says, well, I don't think this is wrong, so I'm going to do what I think is right. Then you have a philosophy that comes after that and says, hey, whatever your heart desires, go after that. But we never take into account that The heart is desperately wicked. We don't take into account that the heart can deceive us. In fact, the Bible says in our hearts is where we have bitterness and anger. That's where murderers come from. It's in the heart. So following your heart, let me tell you, it's a bad idea. Don't follow your heart. That's the worst thing you can do. Let me tell you, every murderer that's been on this planet followed their heart. And you ask them, they say, I don't know, it's just what I felt like doing. I was just so angry at this person. I was just so angry about what was happening, and I felt like doing it. That's their explanation. Where does that thinking come from? It comes from an idea that says, you you put the value you want, we're all just an accident anyway. You see how dangerous this theory of evolution is? It's dangerous, because it takes away purpose from people. Because it didn't happen that way, but when you believe it did, suddenly it leads you to do other things. But the way that it did happen, and the fact of the matter is, the Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. There is someone we give an account to. And there is someone that has said, this is what is right, and this is what is wrong. And it's been like that from the very beginning. And because of that, we have a purpose. Because of that, I can say to you, young people, there is a destiny that's coming for you. There is something that God has for you. There is a plan that God has for your life. There in your notes, listen, you're not an accident. The family you have is not an accident. The brothers and sisters you have is not an accident. No, it's a purpose. It's a plan. You have an eternal purpose. One that was established even before you and I existed. It's amazing. It's amazing. About this destiny. (laughs) This plan that God has for you. It's something that... Let me tell you something. You'll find the most joy in. You'll find the most joy in. Let me give you this really quick this evening. We'll review it again uh, next week as we end this lesson. The beginning of destiny. Let's just really quick... Uh, Think about the beginning of destiny. Number one, God has an eternal purpose that's bigger than time. Before the world began, the Bible says God had his destiny for you and for me. God made you, secondly, to fulfill an eternal purpose. Now, if you ask me, what is that purpose? I don't know. I can tell you right now, I have no idea. I have no idea what God wants for Victor in his life. I have no idea what Mark's going to do and what God wants to do in Mark's life and through Mark. I have no idea. Same with Javi, same with every person in here. I have no idea. But the one thing I do know is that God does have a purpose for you. He does. He has a plan for you. Then I want you to notice this in your notes. God designed your purpose before he created the world. God gave you, listen, the abilities you have and the talents you have were given by God so you could fulfill your purpose. You know that? talk more about that in a second, but let me tell you something. God gave it to you with a purpose. Sometimes we think, it's because I've worked so hard. That's why I'm so good at at band. And maybe, listen, I'm not saying that you shouldn't work hard. And I'm not saying that uh, that if you just pick up an instrument, uh, you don't have to practice and you'll be good. No. But you know, the talent that God gave you to be good at that instrument was for a purpose. Some of you like to play sports like I do. You know, your athletic ability, not everybody has it. But why did God give it to you and not to that other person? Because he's got a plan for you. Because there's something that you're supposed to fulfill that someone else cannot do. That you're uniquely qualified for. And God did that before the world even began. Before you and I were even created. Now, when we come back next week, we're going to finish these notes and understand destiny. Understand it a little bit better, a little bit fuller, so we can really begin to realize what it is that God wants for you and for me. What it is that God wants and how we are going to reach that destiny. How is it that we find that that purpose that God has for us? Tonight, I want you just think about what we've talked about. Think about the way it didn't happen and why it's important for us to understand how dangerous it is to think that what didn't happen is reality because there's a lot of people that live in that reality and that causes a lot of what we have today. A lot of pain and sorrow and heartache. Then think about the way it did happen, but what that means. If this is the and this is the truth that God created everything, that means He created me with a purpose and you with a purpose. That means that we're gonna we're gonna give an account to Him at the end for our life. And then think about the fact that destiny has been given to you by God with a purpose, and He created you for it something that's going to make you happy, something that's going to make you fulfilled, something that only you can do.